0: My name is Felipe Leon here on the Two Minute Round, your hooks and, j- uh, hooks and Jabs Look at the Female Fight World, our first show of 2018. So, first of all, we would like to say a very happy 2018. Hopefully, your 2017 was as good as the boxing, the year for boxing was both in male and female. And hopefully, 2018 is even better. But with, the, with me now, like always, is my co host, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing?
1: Very good, Felipe. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year to you, David. And, well, we probably have a little bit of a short show this uh, week, the first week of 2018 or the first show of 2018, but we expect to have a a packed year of two-minute round episodes. You know, last year, which was our first full year, we had a great year. We had uh, the five-time world champion Amanda Serrano a couple times. We had – Clarissa Shields, we had Steven Espinosa, we had Tom Loeffler, we've had uh, Jelena Maranovic. uh, we had um, the great uh, uh, Christy Martin, who else do we have? Do we have Leila MacArthur? I think we did have Leila MacArthur, right?
1: Oh, yes, we did. Mm-hmm. We had Mariana Suarez,
0: Pares- we had Sulem Urbina, uh, we had a bunch of, uh, of guests here, we had Eric Gomez, uh, talking about Golden Boy and their role in female boxing. So, hopefully, this year we uh, plan to bring you as good of a year, if not better, at the two minute round, your only all female boxing podcast. But with that said, let's go and go into the fight results, which weren't that many, but there were some good fights uh, this last couple of weeks in the female fight world. Obviously, like everything else, uh, the female fight world starts winding down at the end of 2017, just like male boxing and female boxing did the same. But there was some uh, considerable good fights in the last couple weeks starting on December 23rd uh, from Jujuy, Argentina. In a little bit of a shocker, Rose Volante scored a majority decision over Argentinian Brenda Karen Carvajal to capture the vacant WBO lightweight title. The scores there were 95-93, 94-93, and an even 94-94. And quite honestly, David, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this fight. I was pretty impressed by Volante, the Brazilian. Uh, Pretty aggressive, uh, a lot of uh, action. She dropped Carvajal twice in the beginning of the fight, and I'm kind of dumbfounded by that 94-94. That means that in the eyes of that judge... (laughs) Um, you know, Volante hardly won any rounds. If you dropped your, your, your opponent twice in a 10-rounder and you walk away with a 94-94, that judge didn't really see her win any of those fights. Even those 95-93s and those 94-93s are quite suspect because the fight wasn't as that close at all in my eyes. Um, yeah, Volante's a I, hard hitter. Yeah, she's yeah, a, hard hitter. a hard hitter. Yeah, she looks to have some power. Carvajal couldn't take that power and it looked like after those two drops, uh, those two knockdowns, Carval was kind of hesitant. You know, while Volante was very aggressive. Now she is 35, 36 years old, so I don't know how right. much she has uh, left in the tank. Even though she is not, she doesn't have a lot of fights. But you know, at that age, you start getting a little bit long in the tooth. Now the all, the other lightweight champions are, they're they're hard hitters. I mean, you got another Argentina by the name of Victoria Noelia Bustos in the IBF. Which she might—that might be. She's 18 and four, no knockouts, so that might not be um, a big challenge for the 12 and no six knockouts. Rose Volante, but Noelia Bustos been has been a champion for probably like four or five years, so uh, she might not be that easy to dethrone. But the other two champs in the lightweight division are two of the best fighters. Pound for pound in female boxing right now. The WBC champion is Belgium's Delphine Persoon, 39 1 Mm -hmm. with seen knockouts. And then the other champion is none other than WBA's Katie Taylor, you know, who has done, she's had a a Cinderella uh, 2017. You know, she went pro in 2016, but most of her fights have been in 2017. Then she ended up capturing her first world title. Last year, she's eight and zero with four knockouts. So I think Volante's best bet if she wants to unify, if she wants to go after another world title at lightweight or another big name at that will be against the Argentinian Victoria Noelia Bustos. So that's probably her best bet there. Now the same night on December twenty third, which was what that what was that Saturday, uh, Leila MacArthur traveled all the way down to Mexico City to score unanimous decision over Erika Hernandez in an eight rounder. That was in the super lightweight division. This was a little bit of a stay-busy fight for Layla MacArthur. We all know that she's, this, she's in discussions. Her team is in discussions with Cecilia Breakhouse to see if they can make that fight so that Breakhouse can defend her IBF welterweight title against the number one ranked and mandatory challenger Layla MacArthur. Obviously, the other belts will also be on have you had a chance to talk to the MacArthur team, David, and what did
1: they say about their trip down to Mexico City,
0: and how are those talks going?
1: Um, yeah, I did I get talk to Leila uh, MacArthur's team, and she, she loves going to Mexico because she likes the fact that they're very huge boxing fans, and she loves that. She was a little disappointed that she didn't knock off the girl, but after she dropped her in the first round, or nearly dropped her in the first round, Um, then uh, the other girl went into defensive mode for a little while until the last couple of rounds, and then she came back.
0: Now, um... there wasn't a video of the fight, but I did see there was a little bit of a video of them announcing the the result. And to me, McCarthy looked kind of relieved that she got the uh, decision. Was she thinking Mm -hmm. that home cooking?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's always a concern when you go to another country. That's why she goes after knockouts. She doesn't really go for decisions. And because she couldn't knock her out, she was worried that she wasn't going to get the decision against uh, Erica Hernandez. But uh, she did. I mean, she was pretty dominant. Um, I don't think uh, she lost any rounds. I mean, there was one round maybe they could have given it to Hernandez. But uh, basically, she had her way. Uh, now, David,
0: uh, I don't know if you have this information, but I mean, MacArthur is under the Mayweather promotions banner, and she was fighting down mm-hmm. in Mexico City. Did, did Mayweather finance this trip, or was it Luis Tapia, who is uh, MacArthur's manager/slash trainer, that had to put this together?
1: No, it was a own team that put that fight together. It wasn't that uh, Mayweather's doing.
0: Wow. So what does that say about Mayweather Promotions and the way that they are promoting Layla MacArthur? Now, we do know that they have another female fighter by the name of Latondra Jones, who, in a certain sense, she's been kept busy in 2017. Now, Latondra Jones does not have the amount of fights that MacArthur has or her reputation or her experience, so it might be a little bit easier to put fights together for Latondra Jones, but Layla MacArthur being, you know, such a veteran and her reputation of being such a competitor and she has not lost in the last 12 to 15 years, I can see that it could be a little bit harder to put on a fight for MacArthur, but we are talking about Mayweather Promotions. Not a a big promotional company, not a major promotional company in the same name as Golden Boy or Top Rank, but big enough that I would imagine that they could bring an opponent from another country To, to, the, to face McCarthy in the United States.
1: Yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, when I spoke to Cecilia Bracus uh, when she was in Las Vegas, I asked her about that, and she mentioned that she expects nothing less than a big promotion backing for McCarter. She's counting on it, on Mayweather coming through and actually you know, pumping up this fight if it happens.
0: But, I mean, by the way that we by – by what we've seen and what we've done with MacArthur and – and now I remember that we did have MacArthur on, 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 on the show with us. And, you know, when we talked to her on the show and we talked about her promoter, although she sounded thankful and excited to be with Mayweather Promotions, she was very also, to me, what it sounded like. I mean, it sounded to me like she sounded a, a bit um, – you know, she – she wanted to see what they were going to bring to the table and if they were going to do everything that they probably promised her when they signed her to a contract. And she was incredulous, to, to say the least, and, and when we asked her about Mayweather. And by the looks of it, they haven't really done much.
1: Yeah, um, you know, she wants big fights. These fights against contenders, and that hasn't happened. Yeah. Uh, well, it did so, happen against uh, the, the Hungarian girl. But that's about it.
0: And, and you got to give it to Lee Stapia, Obviously, you know, very faithful and always behind his fighter. Who having a mm-hmm. promoter and having a big name promoter to a certain extent still de-
1: digs into his
0: own pocket and puts the fight together so that McCarthy can get some some
1: work. Yeah, yeah, and he's been, you know, he's a he's also a matchmaker. So he knows what to do and how to do it and. Uh, if it wasn't for him, she wouldn't have had fights probably one of the last five years.
0: <laughs> I know. So let's see what happens. Hopefully, you know, there's a lot of things on the table. There's a lot of things that need to happen for MacArthur to get that fight from Cecilia Breakhouse. The IBF did what they needed to do, which was to name Layla MacArthur the number one mandatory for Cecilia Breakhouse welterweight IBF title. But Breakhouse, you had a chance to speak to her a couple weeks ago, if not a month ago, in Las Vegas. December ninth, actually, mm-hmm. it was. Um, and then um, she was actually in Vegas. Was it Vegas? Or where was that fight? The ve- the cyborg against Holly Holm fight was it in Vegas?
1: That was in Vegas also. That was yeah. just this past weekend. She yeah, Breakhouse
0: again. again was in Las Vegas. Those some she's getting some frequent fighter frequent. Why did she just stay the whole month? And I mean, I'm sure she probably <laughs> has, you know, people she could stay with. I mean, she probably want to spend Christmas with her family though. But uh, I mean, she was just here December 9th, and then she's here again last weekend for the Cyborg versus Holly Holm fight. Um, And so we'll see. And she's paying with her own money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's paying the truth with her own money. Now, suffice to say that Breakhouse has mentioned in the past in 2017 that she would love to face Cyborg, Chris Cyborg, in a boxing match a la. Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. Chris Cyborg has also mentioned and has stated publicly to the UFC that if they can not get her a big name um, in the in the, in uh, in MMA, that she's willing to face Cecilia Breakhouse inside a boxing ring. Cyborg, Chris Cyborg, has gone as far as getting a um, a boxing license in California. So. What what would need, I mean, is Cecilia Breakhouse willing to risk getting stripped by the IBF to face Chris Heiberg, which might be a bigger money fight for her? Obviously, that's one. Or two, will the IBF um, accept a petition from Cecilia Breakhouse to give her a fight before facing MacArthur? I think they will because she's been their champion for quite a long time. And. You know, they may take that into consideration, but I see that a way for her kind of dodging MacArthur a little bit more. Yeah, It's
1: possible, but I, I did uh, listen to Cyborg, and she mentioned that she wants their next fight to be in Australia for an MMA fight for UFC. So maybe uh, uh, Cecilia Breakhouse is, is off the table now, for or at least for the meanwhile. It's not positive, but she did state she's gonna she wants to fight in May in Australia.
0: Well we'll see what happens there and now my question here and I don't know if you know the answer to this, David, but it's been about a month and a half since the IBF named MacArthur the mandatory challenger. And you might get this answer from Luis Tapia, but did this say the date of when they would have to finish the negotiation or if not the fight goes to a perspitt or, or the or the ibf didn't because if the ibf didn't do that then then naming macarthur the mandatory challenger doesn't really mean anything if they're not setting a due date of when this fight needs to
1: happen they did have a date they did have a date it was i think it was about the 22nd or 24th of december
0: wow and well that date has gone after passed. that yeah Yep. That day has come and gone, and we haven't heard anything. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, or be maybe before the next episode of the two-minute round, which is scheduled for January 18th, we'll have more mm-hmm. information regarding that. Um, on, December 29th, yeah. uh, on December 29th, from Entre Rios, Argentina, uh, this was a good fight. Erika Anabella Farias, Argentina, Erika Anabella Farias, face fellow Argentinian Ana Laura Esteche in a ten rounder which was a non title fight besides both women despite both women being world champions. Farias is a WBC super lightweight champion and Laura ana Laura Esteche is both a WBO and WBA super lightweight champion. So very interesting. Both women both world champions, both in the same weight class, but they decided not to make it a world title fight so they wouldn't have to pay sanctioning fees, Anabel, yeah. uh, Erika Anabela Farias took the fight with 97-95, uh, and that also odd 96.5 to 95. Argentina using half points like we mentioned in our last show. David, yeah. both, both of these women are very, very raw, but Farias, you know, she was more, if you could say more precise, her punches... Landed more. She was a little bit smarter uh, catching Esteche as she was coming in with some good right hands and some uppercuts versus Esteche basically just brawling in. And to be quite honest, now we see why Amanda Serrano at one point seemed pretty confident in facing Esteche for that WBO uh, super lightweight title. I think Amanda Serrano even though giving up at least, I mean, 18 pounds... Of, of uh, mm-hmm. weight advantage to Esteche uh, would have being able to very easily box box her out.
1: Yeah, or even knock her out. Mm. Well,
0: that I don't know because you know she that is almost 20 pounds plus whatever she's going to gain. I mean, I would I would imagine that Serrano comes in be, below 140 and probably gets in the ring a little bit less. Than one forty, if not a little bit more, while Stetchen might gain another five, six, seven, ten pounds.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point.
0: Yeah, but yeah. now with Stetchen's loss, and well, let's 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 mention something that that actually I saw on Twitter today that Amanda Serrano was on our show about a month and a half ago, two months ago, where she basically announced that even though she's not leaving boxing at that point, Mm -hmm. she was going to go full-fledged into MMA. She had been training for quite some time. She had an MMA manager in Misha Tate. She had put together uh, uh, an MMA training team along with Jordan Maldonado, her regular trainer of boxing. And that because of offers that had been made to other boxers, other world champions that she would like to face and – for those fights not coming to fruition because of the money or whatever the reason was that Serrano didn't really think that she'd be coming back to boxing anytime soon, unless it was a very, very good deal, uh, money wise and, uh, history wise and everything else. Now on her Twitter, she has announced that she's coming back on January 20th to boxing even before her MMA debut. David, do you have any inside information?
1: Yeah, she actually had an MMA bout planned for January on Combate uh, Americas, but Mm. it was canceled. And it was going to take place actually in Southern California. Mm. And uh, they canceled it and they moved it to March. So basically, she said, Well, why waste all the training? Let me do a boxing match then. And she's going to, she mentioned, she didn't actually substantiated, but I think she's going to be fighting for 140. She wants to fight for the title at 140. So I don't know what that means.
0: I mean, mean, would you think that it's Ana Laura Esteche, who after fighting December 29th and coming off a... it, It has to be Esteche because if she's fighting for a title at 100... Actually, I'm looking at a list right now, and I might be wrong in this, but Ana Laura Esteche is... Is is let me check something else, but she's she's actually listed here as the IBF, the WBO, and the WBA uh, right. lightweight titles. Yes. So unless it's Esteche yes. or Farias, I can't think of anybody else that she would be fighting for a major world title, which Jordan Maldonado and her have said repeatedly that, yeah, she is the IBF, WBA, and WBO world champions. Esteche is. And man, yes. Farias... Imagine that. If Farias, if somebody in Farias' team would have just said, you know what, let's just roll the dice and let's go for it and let's spend all the money. Let's get something. Let's look for sponsors. Do, right now, Farias would be the undisputed, undisputed, completely unified, super lightweight champion because she would have beaten uh, Farias uh, Esteche and gotten all the belts because she is a WBC champion. That's crazy, huh? Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, it makes sense to do exactly what you said. I mean, why? I mean, maybe she didn't have confidence in herself. Maybe. Uh,
0: yeah, maybe maybe she thought the fight was going to be too close, or maybe just, just the money wasn't there, you know? But, I mean, honestly, thinking about it right now, David, and, and thinking about Kalisha West, when she defended mm-hmm. her title against for the second time against um, Ava Knight, right. she told me after the fight that she didn't get paid for that fight, that... The she budget for the fight. Yeah, zero money. That The fight, the budget that she got for the fight card for that bout was only going to cover the sanctioning fee and, uh, and Ava Knight's purse, okay? So she, she decided to forego any money so that she could defend that title when she ended up defending it via a draw. Now, it would have been horrible for Kalisha West at that point if she would have lost, which she very she, well could have because Ava Knight is a very difficult yeah fighter and a big-time competitor, but that is how much Juan West and Kalisha West, Juan, her dad, slash trainer, and Kalisha, that, that's how much they they, they respected the belts and felt that they could beat Ava Knight. They had fought once before. And now... Well, I was if, at
1: the weigh-in, too, which was weird is that Ava Knight was coming up from flyweight, right? And she uh-huh. didn't make the weight. <laughs> she didn't make she didn't the 118. Uh yeah, she didn't make the weight. She had to uh, come back and and uh, lose that pound.
0: <laughs> but but if 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 Erika Annabella Fares would have would have you know had that faith in herself and, and maybe foregone a purse, which yeah. seems crazy, but it's been done before. She mm-hmm. she would have something that really means something in boxing, which is all the world titles in the division. So now yeah. Why would, why would Estetia at this point ever agree to face her again for all the world titles unless she's going to get paid a, a, a lot of money or feels that, that she could beat her, that maybe she did something wrong in the first fight and that she could beat her in the rematch. But, you know, I, I didn't see how Estetia could beat her. I think Faya takes it every time. So I don't know if we would yeah. ever see a unification fight at 140 pounds. But getting back to Amanda Serrano, so what are the odds of Esteche coming off a loss on December 29th gets back in the ring on January 20th, which is less than a month away, and defender yeah, title so. <laughs> against against uh, Amanda Serrano? So I don't think so either. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Although Serrano did allude did allude that something big was coming, you know, for that January yeah. 20th fight. Now. It, that January twenty-five fight for Amanda Serrano, hopefully it's big enough that it gets uh, broadcast on Showtime Extreme or maybe even on the Showtime YouTube uh, portal, which they've been using. On that fight card, it's going to be uh, uh, Errol Spence defending his title against former champion Lamont Peterson. I think they just announced another fight that's going to be televised as well. Uh, let me see if they have it. They have, yeah. Robert Easter defending his IBF world, uh, yeah, against uh, Javier Fortuna. now David, listen to this. On BoxRick, which is not official, but it's sub- I mean, they get their information from somewhere. Amanda Serrano has stated that. Well, it she hasn't stated, but it it's, it states here that she's going to be defending her WBO super bantamweight title against uh, TBA. So she might be going for that 140, or baby Box Rick is just thinking that that's what she's going to do since she's been announced on
1: that fight card. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question to ask Amanda herself.
0: Okay, so we'll see what happens there. Now, to finish off the, uh, the fight results on December 30th from Kazakhstan, which we mentioned is starting to become somewhat of a, uh, of a boxing hotbed, not so much in the actual country of Kazakhstan, but with their exports, obviously Gennady Golovkin, Sergey Lipinets, 140 uh, uh, IBF champion, um, the 100, I think it's the 118 or 122 pound champion who beat Ryan Burnett. He's also from Kazakhstan, and obviously there's other names from Kazakhstan as well. Well, now they're actually making some headway in female boxing because Firuza Sharipova scored a unanimous decision over Jamila Gontarok for the vacant WBC Silver Super Featherweight cha- uh, title scores there were 192 times and 189. Like we mentioned on our last show, that is the title that our, the show the friend of the show who was also on our show last year, Melissa St. Ville, held previously. I'm imagining that she was stripped of it because of, yeah. of a lack of, de- of defending it. But she had defended it a couple of times, I believe, um, in Haiti. She has been going back and forth from her home base in New York in Brooklyn to, the, to her home country of Haiti. And she actually defended it back in March of, of 2017 with a technical draw because of an accidental head clash against Mexican Jessica Gonzalez. But she had not defended it since March, which was over nine months uh, without defense they probably didn't have anything scheduled so the WBC probably decided to strip her. You know, which I, be, I think mm, it's a shame. The I think it's a shame quite honestly because the WBC for that matter and the other and the other uh sanctioning bodies they don't adhere to those to those uh you know six months at least defend your title every six months. Uh
1: and, and the other thing too is that- and the other thing is that the champion, the world champion, Iwa Wallstrom, is supposed to fight Melissa. And she kept yeah. ducking her, ducking her, ducking her. And what is she supposed to do? She doesn't want to lose her place in line. So she's waiting for this uh, Wallstrom girl, and it's not happening. And so then they strip her, so she's not number yeah. one anymore. <laughs> that's kind of like so, uh, taking the yeah. carpet from under her.
0: And that's a shame, because, I mean, if 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 the WBC and the other sanctioning bodies were were adhering to their to their guidelines of when they should defend time-wise their title, then okay, it is what it is. It's the rules. But they don't do it across the board. So, you know, that, that is a, a, a shame. So, uh, hopefully Melissa gets another chance, another crack at the title soon, and obviously against the absolute champion, which is Eva Wandstrom. Also on that same card, um, Ina Sagadzajotskaya scored a Second round TKO over Mapule Gubani for the ten round in a ten rounder for the interim WBC super welterweight champion official time there was 159. Now that was the interim silver title, yeah, silver. No, that's the WBC interim title. So maybe she gets a chance quite soon for the WBC full fledged title. Who is Ewa Patriotska, Who is ten and one? With four knockouts from Poland, so let's see. Let's let's just check. See if we can make a a a, a case for uh, for uh, Melissa Saint-Viel. Let's see when is the last time that Ewa Pietkot? I don't know how to say her name. Pietkot. No, Piotr- I think it's go- Wallstrom. So, no, Piotr- but Piotr- I just want Piotr- to. Piotr- okay. Polish group. Yeah, let's see Eva Wallstrom. Let's see when's the last time she defended her title, and if it was within. Six months or less. Uh, Eva Walsham, there she is. She's undefeated, 21 and 0, one draw, three knockouts. Last time she defended her title was May, which has been seven months. Seven months since she's the last time she's defended her title. So, where is? And previously to that, it was in December, which was roughly six months. Um, So, you know what's going. Previous to that, in she defended March of 2016, and then she didn't defend till December, which was basically nine months. And then she took another. Then she defended in six months in May, and then that's it. She hasn't defended since May to December, which is seven months. So they they she keeps her belt, but they strip uh, Melissa saint Ville, So that is a shame. And maybe there's something behind it that we don't know, but you know True. we should know. True. You know. Now, uh, well, that is the end of our female uh, of the fight results for the last couple of weeks. Our next show will be on January 18th. So before we move on to the upcoming calendar, which is not much since we're already starting the year, we're going to go and discuss some fights uh, that we put together as the 10 most game-changing fights of 2017. And the premise here is that these fights, one way or the other, changed the landscape of female boxing in 2017 for the coming Mm -hmm. year, which is 2018, or even for the future, okay? Starting off with, on January 14th, it was a Saturday, Amanda Serrano scored a unanimous decision over the tough Mexican former world champion, Jasmine Rivas, and the game changer here was because it was, Announced by Showtime by Steven Espinosa, the president of uh, Showtime Sports, that this fight was going to be broadcast on Showtime Extreme, which is kind of like a sister station to the main main network, which is regular Showtime. So, in the first fight card of the year in 2017 for Showtime, uh, the network started giving us female boxing on TV. And I remember that a lot of people in the female boxing world were waiting, were anticipating this fight, David. Well, what do you remember about oh, yeah. that and how game-changing is it for you? Well,
1: it, what I remember most is like several months later, female fighters from around the world were talking about it. I mean, mm-hmm. fighters from Argentina, from Japan, from Mexico, they were all talking about this, you know, Amanda Serrano fighting on TV. It was a big thing. It also seems to have sparked interest in fighting in the United States. A lot of the female fighters are now trying to, to, to become visible in the United States because they know that's where the big money is, and they, they want to be known uh, to the world, and it's a big thing for them. I, I think that's that a good point. Get, get it
0: yeah, that is a good point because since then, since then we really heard, you know, uh, Mariana Barbie Juarez, we've heard Jessica Kika Chavez um, and other fighters uh, from, not the, from not the United States mentioning for the first time in, in a long time that they do want to fight in the United States. I mean, there really no, is no reason for Mariana Juarez or Jessica Kika Chavez to fight in the United States except the exposure and to fight somewhere that they've never fought before. Because I could almost guarantee you, David, that Mariana and Kika Chavez are get paid more fighting in Mexico on Televisa, on the major Mexican boxing network, than if they would even fight on Showtime Extreme. I, I I think they get, you know, but it's just the fact that they would get that exposure in in the United States. They would open up that market for themselves for Mexican fighters who obviously, in the eyes of many, the Mexican boxing market, the audience is possibly the biggest in the sport, if not in the United States. So that would be a way for Barri Juarez and Jessica Chavez and the other fighters to open up that market for themselves. Oh, yeah. Now, the other game changing fight, March 10th, actually took it up a notch for Showtime. Not only were they showing a fight on their overall network, but they were showing the main event on their main network, the Showtime network. And this was Clarissa Shields over Silvia Sabato's on a Friday night showbox edition, where Clarissa Shields, for the first time in history, was the main event on a on a premium cable network fight night. She ended up winning with the fourth round TKO and captured the NABF super middleweight title. So this, David, took it one notch higher than what Amanda Serrano and Jasmine Rivas did back in January.
1: Yeah, it was very significant because people got to see her without headgear and smaller gloves, you know, do her thing.
0: That's right. Now... The same month, on March 23rd, the 2012 bronze medalist in the Olympics, London Olympics, Marlene Spaza made her pro debut on ESPN. And that was some t- somewhat of a historic moment because not only was she on ESPN, which hadn't shown female boxing in a long, long time, but they had in the past. So we remember our co-host here, uh, Elena Baby Reed, having fought on ESPN various times. But they hadn't done it in in quite a while, and then Marlene Esparza, one way or the other, some say she is not the first female fighter to fight under the Golden Golden Boy banner. Some say she is more. You know, Golden Boy says she is. I we know that they have some agreements with other fighters, but officially, you know, completely stated by Oscar De La Hoya, Marlene Esparza is under the Golden Boy banner. So this was somewhat of a historic night for female boxing in 2017. Not only did we see the first fighter, the first female fighter fighting under the Bo- only boy banner, Marlene Sparta, but we also see her on ESPN something that we had not seen in quite a
1: while. Yeah, exactly.
0: And but, David, you were there. The only drawback of that fight on March 23 was the opponent, Rachel Seltzoff. Very game, very you know, she showed to be tough as far as her chin and her willing to fight, but nowhere near the level of Marlene Sparta.
1: No, no. The girl was basically an MMA fighter. Just that. Now how much... And, how,
0: and in my eyes, David, and I'm sure you agree that it kind of took some of that luster from that night for Marlene Esparza. She would have fought somebody that deserved to be in the ring with her and gave her a little bit of a fight. It would have been, it would have made that night much, much more memorable. But the only thing that it did was just prove that Melanie Sparza quite possibly does not have the punching power for the major leagues because to this day, I don't think she scored a knockout yet. Has she?
1: No, she hasn't.
0: Yeah. So she has not scored a a knockout. So if she couldn't knock out Rachel Sazov, I don't know what we could expect as far as her and power. Um, because you're not gonna find you're not gonna find another female fighter, another female boxer that's gonna be licensed in the United States to fight on Melanin Sparta that does not have the skill set that has less of a skill set than Rachel Satsov, not to take anything from her, tough fighter, she took the fight, but her skill set was just not there. Yeah. Now on April first this fight didn't happen in the United States, but it was uh, memorable when Mariana Juarez not only captured her third world title in as many divisions, capturing the WBC Bantamweight title, but did it with over 400,000 fans cheering her on at the Zócalo in Mexico City. So that in itself, David, means something for female boxing in 2017, that a female fighter in the main event, in a boxing-rich and and female boxing uh, hub, or Hoppe as it is in Mexico could still draw over four, obviously free, but it doesn't matter, over 400,000
1: fight fans in Mexico City. That was incredible. I had never imagined that that would happen, especially for a female fight. I mean, I could see maybe a Canelo fighting and, you know, has a 400,000 fans, you know, gather. But Mariana Juarez, she attracted that many fans. That was, uh, Almost a miracle. I couldn't believe that that many people were there to see or fight. And they didn't leave. They were there.
0: Now, David, just to put it in perspective of how many people were here, okay? What would you say is one of the biggest, I mean, to me, one of the biggest, uh, I want to say crowds, but one of the biggest um, uh, events, per se, one of the most memorable, most historic events, one of them, not the most, but one of them would have to be Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech back in 1963 where you see a big crowd, a big multitude of people in Washington, D.C., at the, at the mall in Washington, D.C., and they're all listening to this historic, quite possibly the, the most famous speech in American history, probably right up there with uh, Four Score and Seven Years Ago by Abraham Lincoln, right? The I Have a Dream speech by Dr. Martin Luther King. It is estimated yeah. that at that speech, there are 250,000 people. So yeah. Mariana, with her punches, was able to gather 150,000 more people than, than <clears throat> the late Dr. Martin Luther King. So that, that says something. I,
1: I, it's funny because I talked to uh, several TV executives, and they were asking me questions about why I chose this person and that person for a fighter of the year. And when I mentioned that she attracted four hundred thousand fans, they, they their mouths literally dropped. They go, "What?" I <laughs> yeah. couldn't believe she attracted four hundred thousand fans. That's crazy. Not even Zach Dempsey when he thought Jess Willard attracted that many people
0: and, and you've been to the Sokolo. I've been to the Sokolo. I mean it's a big mm-hmm. place, but I mean four hundred thousand people there active and I mean I'm just thinking of getting out of there. I mean cars you're not going to be able to get a car in there. So you have to leave on the subway <laughs> or something like that. So people, I mean obviously there's over 20 million people in Mexico City. So it was just a percentage of the of the population of Mexico City there at the Zocalo, but still knowing knowing that you're going to go down to the Zocalo and you're going to see this fight and there was going to be a nightmare to get in and out and people and 400 people 400,000 people still made the trek. That means a lot that means something as well.
1: Oh, yeah. They really wanted to see her. She, I mean, she's a, she's a legend now. She's a living legend. And I, I think maybe they wanted to see her before she retired. Most people know that she's getting up there in age. And uh, this is – they thought – a lot of people thought she was going yeah. oh, th- to lose. Yeah. Oh, I thought she was going to lose. I, I,
0: I, I called <laughs> it here on the show. I thought I thought Captain Fede was going to take the fight just because of how – um, Juarez had looked in uh, the fight against Bermudez. You know, I didn't think she mm-hmm. was ready for the Bantamweight division. I thought they were too big, but she shut me up, and she shut a lot of people up because she gave a masterful performance, and now with all of this, she has to be the A-side against Jackie Nava. Jackie Nava, a big name in boxing, in female boxing, and Mexican boxing, yeah. but, but Mariana Barrio Juarez has to be the A-side with with the four hundred thousand oh, yeah. she's the champ. That's the title they're gonna be fighting for. And that and if two thousand seventeen was big for Mariana Juarez, if she beats Jackie Nava in two thousand eighteen, if they make this fight and she beats Mariana uh, Jackie Nava, Mariana Juarez without a doubt goes down in history as the best female fighter of all time. Mexican female fighter
1: of all time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. She already is among she's at the top now but so absolutely. Yeah, but uh, but you know
0: you, you can make a case for Ana Maria Torres. You can make a case for mm-hmm. Jackie Nava. Um, obviously, you can make a case for Laura Serrano. Um, you could start making a case for Kika Chavez. But with Barbie Juarez defeating Jackie Nava, uh, she takes it undoubtedly. She takes it. She does. She she's done it all. She's done it all more than any of the ones that I just mentioned. Um, and that would just be the icing in the cake for her. Now, yeah. on April, yeah. on April 22nd, Amanda Serrano in her own right uh, made history by beating uh, Diana Santana of uh, the Dominican Republic uh, to become female boxing's only five-divisional champion. Um, she won vers- uh, via uh, Nathan Brown TKO to capture the vacant WBO Bantamweight title, and that was her fifth and up to now, final divisional title. Now, there is rumors she's spoken about it. We mentioned it here that she might be going for a 140-pound title, which would be number six, which puts her above Floyd Mayweather Jr. Floyd Mayweather won five divisions. Uh, mm-hmm. Oscar, I know that Manny did Oscar eight. won six. So, puts her on yeah, par Oscar. Um, six, with Oscar. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's already... I mean, they don't give her the, 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 the respect she deserves, but she already surpassed Miguel Cotto, who did four divisions, you know. So by her winning her sixth world title in a sixth uh, different division, that puts her way up there with, with some big names in boxing, whether they give them the respect or not. So this fight was on April 22nd. It was not televised, David, I don't remember. It wasn't, not, it wasn't even on Showtime stream, although I do believe they did show some highlights on the regular telecast that night.
1: Yeah, it was actually her best performance. I mean, she was dominant. Mm-hmm. Santana is a very good fighter. She just dominated her.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see what brings, what January 20th brings, and let's see what else 2018 brings for Miss Amanda Serrano. Now, on August 4th, Clarissa Shields again uh, on, uh, on Showtime and again with a masterful um, performance. But this time with her in her fourth professional fight, she captures both the WBC and the IBF super middleweight champion, which makes her now a world champion with four world titles. And this fight was also televised on Showtime on the regular network. Mm-hmm. Now, what makes this a game changer is that In Clarissa Shields, we may be seeing, if not already, but I still think, at least in the United States, but she may be quite soon the face for female boxing around the world.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because I talk to some of her people and they get upset that she's not rated the number one pound for pound. But it's like I tell them, I said, you know what? She hasn't even scratched the surface. She's going to get way better. She's learning what to do. I mean, she still has a little bit of amateur tendencies, but you can see them uh, evaporating. She's starting to get that pro style. And once she starts knocking girls out, I don't mean stopping, but knocking them out, uh, then you'll know that she's alive because she's going to get there. And the
0: one thing that that she mentioned when she was on the show with us is that, you know, that she's very confident in her own self, and she likes to call herself, you know, the ever and all that and that's perfectly fine i mean that's how she motivates yeah. herself and that's what she believes and that's great but at the end of the day either cecilia breakhouse in the eyes of many or in, uh, in the eyes of others leila MacArthur, have fought better opposition and have done more in the field of, bo- of female boxing than clarissa shields in four fights in four professional fights now she did score two gold medals in the Olympics, something that nobody's ever done in the United States as a boxer. But mm-hmm. we're talking about the pro ranks, and and like you say, I agree with you. She's gonna she's gonna um, achieve a lot more, and she is gonna be at one point be the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. But she's not there yet. And oh, yeah. if she achieves the plan that she laid out for us on when she was here, which was you know, to go down to 160 and then eventually go down to 154 and maybe even Mm -hmm. somehow or another face um, Cecilia Breakhouse. And if she does all that without losing, she's going to go down as the best fighter probably ever.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think she has a good shot at
0: it. Yeah. But, you know, being that she's 21, 22 years old, you know she's a little bit impatient, and she just needs to put in the work and get there. And I'm I'm confident that she might she might be able to do that. I mean, you know anything could happen in boxing, but the way that her work ethic and her confidence in herself, her skill, you know, mm-hmm. she's she has all the tools. She has everything on her side to be able to do it. She just needs to do it.
1: Oh yeah, the well, sports is confidence, and she has yeah. a lot of that.
0: Now on. Uh, just like it happened in March, this time August 5th was not te- – was the March fight between Malena Esparza and Rachel Seldov was televised. This next fight was not televised, but it was a game changer in 2017 because Mikaela Mayer, the former uh, USA Olympic team member, made her pro debut under the top rank banner, something that I, quite frankly, David, didn't think that we were going to see quite as soon. Um, with Top Rank having a female fighter under their banner, Top Rank had in fact done some female fights back in the day with Mia St. John and and Christy mm-hmm. Martin, but they were more of uh, they were on pay per view, um, and they were more of like um, uh, you know uh, attention grabbers, you know, uh, you know, it's like Butterbean, you know, like Butterbean, the the king of the four rounders. I mean, they used to put him on the pay per views. Right used to put on Mia St. John on pay-per-views and perhaps Christy Martin on pay-per-views because they knew that they were going to grab the attention of the casual fight fan and maybe they would go out and buy the pay-per-view that top rank was promoting. But in Micaela Mayer, it's quite the opposite of that. I mean, we have a fighter here who is 27 years old, eloquent, good-looking, and above all, talented with a lot of boxing skill and she's improving with every fight and I think they have a world champion in their hands just like Carissa Shields she just needs to be developed and she just needs to get there and do what she needs to do.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, it's just the only difference is she's not doing it without headgear. That's still a little adjustment but she looks like the real thing.
0: Oh yeah, I I she's one of my favorite fighters my favorite new fighters in 2017. I had the chance to see her live in September in Phoenix and hopefully in 2018 I get to see her a couple more times live because I really like her style. She's tall. She uses her jab very well. She has great footwork. She knows how to – and that's the thing I like about her is that there's a lot of fighters out there, male or female, that they don't know or they don't get, they're not trained to use their physical advantages, the physical advantage that they have over their opponents in their weight class. And Michaela Mayer – at 135 pounds, is very tall for that weight class, and she knows how to use that advantage. She does not fight on the inside. She tries to avoid fighting on the inside, but even though if you get closer, she's going to go to the body and she's going to fight you on in the inside, but she uses that jab and she uses that length of hers to make her, her night easy, but it's not boring. She's looking for the knockout with every punch she throws.
1: Yeah, everything seems to be sibling. I mean, every punch has some mustard on
0: it. And, and to just to mention another August fifth, which was in Los Angeles, uh, she knocked Winley Figueroa uh, in her pro debut. So we'll see what what we uh, what 2018 brings for Mikaela Mayer. Now September 30th, this fight again was in Mexico, in the final and rematch or the rubber match. Between in the final for the WBC Diamond uh, Flyweight uh, Tournament, Jessica Chavez completely dominated Esmeralda Moreno in the 10-rounder, dropping her in the late rounds to capture the Diamond title. And in my eyes, David, and and I want your opinion, to me, she is the best active Mexican female fighter right now. I mean, I know that Mariana Juarez um, achieved a lot in 2017, but as far as skill set and as far as you know, the youth on her side, I think Mariana Mm -hmm. Juarez is a better boxer, you know, in a sense. Mm -hmm. But I think with youth being on her side and and how she was able to dominate Esmeralda Moreno after their second fight, which was a barn burner. It was a lot closer. She was able to adjust from that second fight and to learn from that second fight and adjust enough to completely dominate Esmeralda Moreno in that third fight. To me... She is the active best Mexican fighter right now.
1: Yeah, right now she is the best with it for the world title. And, uh, but, you know, there are some young guys out there that I'd like to see her fight if she's willing, and, uh, such as Kenny Enriquez. I'd love to see her fight uh, Jessica Ch- uh, Chavez. I think that would be a hell of a match.
0: Well, I think that that's a great fight, but Enriquez has some, uh, some things to do at the life flyweight title. Um, sure, and sure. In, in challenging Esmeralda Moreno for the full fledge. But yeah, I mean, that would be a great fight as well. But I think that first, uh, we have to give Enriquez the chance to do what she needs to do at Live Flyweight. Being that she was uh, a champion at Flyweight and things didn't work out for her there, I think she, we, she has to be given the chance to do what she needs to do at, at 108 and then move up to 112. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see Jessica Chavez against Ava Knight which is the mm-hmm. the one Mexican fighter that Ava Knight has not faced yet, you know? So that is one of the yeah, fights no. that I put... Go ahead.
1: Yeah, the only thing that... that uh, not concerned me, but I'd like to point out is that I think that now that Ava Knight is much older, I don't think fighting at a lower weight is good for her anymore. I think... Uh, I remember her fighting against Kalisha at 118, and she looked strong. But at 112, she seemed Get weaker and weaker for the last several fights at that weight class. So I think she needs to go up. I really do. I well, think looks, she's yeah. she's training herself. Well, it looks like she's making
0: a comeback. I follow her on social media, and she's been training. Um, so so let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's see who picks her up. You know, let's see yeah. who picks her up. Hopefully, yeah. she can get a promoter and get a little bit of uh, get a little bit of uh, of, of some uh, some support, and then we'll see what happens. Now, October 28th, uh, the aforementioned WBA lightweight cha- champion Katie Taylor, also a two-time gold medalist, scored her first world title with a 10-round decision over Anaï Esther Sanchez. That makes her a world champion. So the same as Clarissa Shields, to me, this is the new wave of, of female fighters that are coming up from yeah. the Olympics. You know, we've seen Marlene Esparza, we've seen Michaela Mayer, mm-hmm. we've seen Katie Taylor, we've seen uh, we seen Clarissa Shields, we've seen um, uh, Nicole. What's her name? Nicola Adams. Um, yeah. You know, all these new fighters that are coming out of the Olympics and coming out out of the uh, the amateur ranks, stamping their name. Uh, female boxing and Katie Taylor, obviously one of the big names out there, huge following in the UK. She's from Ireland, looking to fight in the United States, actually has done her last couple of camps here in the United States. So hopefully we get to see her in the United States. She's promoted by Matchroom Boxing, which have some kind of a presence here in the United States with Daniel Jacobs. So more than likely we'll see her in the East Coast, but hopefully we start seeing her in the United States.
1: Yeah, yeah, she just came off another fight, and uh, she kept her belt.
0: And lastly, uh, on December 16th, one of the last fights of the year, Silvia Torres, the younger sister of Ana Maria Torres, scored a unanimous decision over Brenda Flores to capture the vacant interim WBA lightweight flyweight title. This became somewhat of a historic night because it, it made them, just like the Serrano sisters, who are Puerto Rico's first set of sisters to win world titles, Torres and her sister, uh, Silvia and her sister, Ana Maria, are the first Mexican sisters to win world titles. So it was a little bit of a game changer. She gave a great performance on December 16th, Silvia Torres, and I think she's going to be one of the, of the big names in, in Mexican boxing. Um, she's promoted by Sam for Promotions, who has an exclusive deal with, um, uh, you know, uh, Azteca Channel. So, Like you mentioned, Enriquez, that might be a possible foe in 2018 for Silvia Torres.
1: Yeah, that would be a great fight.
0: That would be a good fight as well. Now, uh, that brings us to the end of that segment of the 10 most game-changing fights of 2017. If you'd like to go over them, uh, it should be uh, posting pretty soon on thepricefighters.com, the all-female boxing website. Obviously, thepricefighters.com, you'll be able to find that article there as well as other articles from Japan, from Argentina, from here in the United States, David Avila with some great coverage, on um, Mexico. So the thepricefighters.com, you can read it there. And um, lastly, let's go, David, into the, the uh, upcoming calendar, which is not a lot. Before we do that, we, do, we would like to mention that our next show is on January 18th, Thursday, every other Thursday here in 2018, the two-minute round your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world, and we'll try to see if we can corral somebody to be on the show with us as far as an interview. And um, So that will be on January 18th. But the upcoming calendar on Sunday, January 7th, this fight may or may not happen, David, but it does have the former WBC silver flagweight champion, Raja Amache from Germany, against the always uh, dangerous... Tiffany Beth Anderson the TBA in a 6 rounder at Flyway she has not fought she is she lost last year i think it was uh, it wasn't last year i think it was in uh, she suffered her one and only loss against uh Ana Arazola in the tournament that was in 2016 right. she came back and only fought once last year uh she scored a unanimous decision Capturing the WBC silver female. So she lost the WBC. Now, if you want to talk about the WBC, she lost the WBC silver female flyweight title against Ana Rosola in October 2016 in the tournament, in one of the the fights for that tournament. And in her next immediate fight, she fought for the vacant title again, the silver vacant title again. So coming off a loss, Mm. she gets to fight for the vacant title again. But now she is scheduled for Sunday the 7th in a six-rounder against a a fighter to be uh, named. Who knows if this fight goes down, but the fight that is going to go down, on Friday, January 12th, from the Turning Stone Resort Casino in Verona, New York, Salida Promotions gives us on Showtime, again, the first fight card of the year, and it's going to be headlined by a female boxing match between the WBC and IBS Super Middleweight Champion, Clarissa Shields, 4-0 with two knockouts, defending their title against Tori Nelson, also undefeated. I think she's like 16-0. and 0. Let me check her uh, record real quick. Yeah, Tori Nelson and is 17-0 seven, with three draws, two knockouts. That fight is January 12th. David, do you think Shields knocks out Nelson?
1: Uh, you know, I think that's going to uh, – on paper, I mean, I've seen Tori Nelson fight. She's very aggressive. And um, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive fight. I mean, I, I can't see Nelson matching speed with Shills, but I think she's going to be competitive. I think she's going to hang in there and maybe even win some rounds. Because uh, Tori Nelson kind of reminds me of uh, George Foreman and Michael Moore when uh, everybody said, oh, well, George Foreman is going to lose. He's fighting a young guy, 28 years old, Michael Moore, and then George Foreman knocks him out. And it stunned the world. Yeah. You can never I count heard. out these old people. <laughs> yeah. Now, you can't cut them out. Let's,
0: let's, let's, let's do some analysis here. Clarissa Shields has four fights as a pro. Her first fight, she went the distance in a four rounder. Then, in her second fight, she scored a fourth round TKO in a scheduled six rounder. In her third fight, she went to full eight rounds. And then, in her last fight, which was back in August, she was scheduled for 10 rounds but stopped the, the, uh, Nikki Adler in five. So the longest rounds mm-hmm. that she's gone is eight rounds back in June, okay? Versus mm-hmm. Tori Nelson, um, she's fought 10 rounds quite a number of times. Um, she's been scheduled for 10 rounds quite a number of times, and she's gone 10 rounds uh, multiple of times. So if anything, yeah. Tori Nelson has the advantage as far as Knowing that she could go ten rounds and no, and she has no problem going ten rounds. So that's the one yeah. thing that that uh, that she might have an advantage of. The other, th- the one thing Clarissa has advantage of is that Clarissa is only twenty two years old versus Tori Nelson is forty one. So that is mm-hmm. a big difference in age. So we'll see. But like you say, David, you can never um, you can never count out these uh, veteran fighters, and especially in female boxing. I mean. If yeah. anything, in any, if anything, in female boxing, we tend to see a lot of fighters that are 35 plus. I mean, easily. Why? Because female boxing has, although it's been around for decades, it hasn't been getting the, 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 uh, the attention that it's been getting in the last, say, 25 years. Okay. Yeah. So, fighters, female fighters, have taken on boxing a little bit later in life. But we've seen, you know, the Jolene Blackshears, uh, you know, the Mariana Juarez's. We've seen even older um, uh, Alicia Ashley's, you know, fighting well into Mm -hmm. their 40s and their 50s. So that to me, even though it is an advantage and she is younger, to me it's not as big as, you know what George Foreman did with? I mean, how how he had been out of boxing for like 20 years. <laughs>
1: yeah, for a long while.
0: I mean, I think when did he retire? Like in the 70s, and he came back in the 90s. Uh, yeah. Well, he won
1: yeah, the so, title in 90, 94.
0: Yeah, and he retired in the 70s. He became a preacher. He gained, he lost all his hair and gained a lot more weight, lost all his muscle, and he still knocked out Michael Moore. I mean, that's good. One of the greatest yeah. boxing stories of all time. That's amazing. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah. Now, also on that fight card is uh, the WBC and WBO 160 pound title champion Christina Hammer, who is going to be making her pro debut. Obviously, they're putting them on the same card, looking to hopefully sometime later in 2018 putting on a fight between Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer and David. I don't know how official is this, but it's being uh, – it's, uh, it's on BoxRick. Hammer's opponent still on BoxRick is Lisa Garland.
1: That's surprising. Nothing against so, Lisa Garland where she got knocked out in her first run against Raquel Miller, and then she gets this fight, the world title fight. That doesn't yeah, make sense.
0: Well, yeah, but, I mean, we just went over that Raja Amache uh, losing the title and then coming back. So that doesn't... Oh, no, but this is not a title fight. Christina Hammer's not a title fight. Yeah, yeah. So it's That's not a true, title she fight. Fighting she's fighting a world champion. <laughs> oh, yeah, but she is fighting a world champion. Yeah, you're right about that. But I don't know. I mean, I, I follow Lisa Garland on her on her uh, social media, and she hasn't mentioned it, mm-hmm. but it's still on BoxRec. But BoxRick's not official unless they're getting the fight card from the fight bout sheet from the promoter, and I don't think they're doing that. So sometimes yeah. the stuff that gets on BoxRec is just that gets reported or whatever the case may be. Yeah. They might have listened to us and, and said, yeah. oh, they said it, so yeah. it's official. So so who knows? Um, so there you go. There you go, folks. That's the only two fight cards with any names uh, in the next couple of weeks. Let's see if the Raja Amashev fight happens. And obviously tune in on January 12th to Showtime. It's a Friday to see Clarissa Shields take on her, her, her biggest threat on paper so far in Tori Nelson. And then Christina Hammer will not be televised on the network, but hopefully she'll be on some one of another Showtime platform like the YouTube channel or something like that. So our next show is scheduled for January 18th. This has been the two-minute round. Your hooks and jazz look at the female boxing world. This has been episode number 39. Hopefully you'll join us for our next show and all our shows in 2018. David, good night. Anything else from you? Just a
1: happy new year, everybody.
0: All right, Happy New Year and we bid you good night.